0: Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Seren. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. We are going to pay tribute to one of the great assassination researchers tonight, the late May Brussel. We'll pay tribute to her legacy, uh, which is, I guess you'd have to say, her legacy is that she was one of the first, if not the first, researcher to connect the dots between the Nazis and the JFK assassination. Alex Constantine, uh, well, the uh, Feral House has just released, re-released, a, a book edited by uh, Alex Constantine, who's standing by. It's called Fascism in America, the Essential May Brussels. And Alex, wow, it's... I was trying to... Uh, Uh, remember, how long it's been since I've talked to Alex Constantine, I guess we'd have to go back maybe 14 years since his seminal work, The Covert War Against Rock, came out. Uh, And as I say, now Farrell House has re-released his uh, book, Fascism in America, The Essential May Brussels, which came out originally about five years ago. Alex, as I say, standing by. Uh, Just a reminder... The Conspiracy Show, my television program, now in season three across Canada on Vision, airs Monday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern. And this week, another good one for you, Marilyn Monroe uh, will present evidence that uh, she was not the victim of a suicide, but rather foul play, murder, and whether Bobby Kennedy may have had a hand in that. Uh, speaking of the TV program, we are now in 110 markets, 110 markets in the U.S., and just got some data from our, our distributor down there. We are now number one in our time slot in Albuquerque and number two in Houston. Uh, or maybe it's the other way around. Anyway, uh, the program is doing gangbusters in Houston and Albuquerque. So if you're listening in on one of our affiliates uh, in the U.S., uh, to the radio program, that is. Check your local listings to see if the conspiracy show, the TV program, is on in your market. And if not, by golly, call the TV station and ask, why not? And uh, just one more item before we get to Alex. Follow the truth. Follow the truth. The Conspiracy Show Summit, number, uh, November the 16th. It's coming around fast. If you haven't ordered your passes, please get on that quick. This is my inaugural all-day conference-style event. I'll appearing, I'll be appearing live at the Regent Theatre in Oshawa, and I'm bringing a half-dozen, maybe more. Uh, we're announcing more speakers very soon. Great speakers. Bringing them to town. Uh, if you're into time travel, past lives, The Matrix, Roswell, Rendlesham, Crop Circles, Pyramids, The Money Mafia, this conference is for you. So call the box office, 905. 721 3399. 905 721 3399. Mention the code word Roswell, receive 25% off the price of your, your passes. And you can visit followthetruth.tv for more details. And tonight's radio contest question is on the homepage. Just scroll down. Again, followthetruth.tv, scroll down, find the question. And then when you've got the answer to that question, call Tim in studio here, 416 360 416 with the correct answer, and you'll walk away with a pair of passes to follow the Truth at Conspiracy Show Summit. All right, all you Brussels sprouts, and I use that term with tremendous respect, because that's what her devotees or disciples are called. Without a doubt, Mae Brussels stands as one of the premier researcher and investigative journalists, and she can accurately be described as one of the forerunners of what is now accepted commonly as citizen journalism in the current blogging world. And she's directly inspired the work of many prominent researchers, including my first guest here on The Conspiracy Show tonight, Alex Constantine, in her early life. May was a married housewife, housewife with five children and living in Southern California. And then, after the Kennedy assassination, she took it upon herself to buy the 26-volume Warren Commission hearings and started studying for herself the evidence that Lee Harvey Oswald was a lone assassin. In May of 71, after seven years of research, she appeared as a guest on KLRB, an independently owned local FM radio station. And the response to her appearance was so good she became a regular weekly guest and afterwards had her own talk show, Dialogue, Conspiracy, later ch- changed to World Watchers International. In 1983, May's show moved to KAZU-FM in Pacific Grove and there it stayed until her final broadcast on June 13, 1988. On October 3rd of that year, at the age of 66, May Brussel died of cancer, although some to this day insist she was murdered. Here to hang with us for the next 45, 50 minutes or so and to tell us more about the life and times and the legacy of the late May Brussel is Alex Constantine. He is the author of seven books on political corruption, organized crime, the intelligence community, and corporate excesses including the aforementioned The Covert Covert War Against Rock, ranked by the London Observer among the 50 best books on music ever. Uh, I would wholeheartedly concur with that assessment. He is the author of Blood Carnage and the Agent Provocateur, Psychic Dictatorship in the USA, Virtual Government, and the editor, as I say, of Fascism in America, The Essential May Brussels. Alex, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's good to have you here. It's been a long while. I don't know if you remember, but uh, uh, I guess we'd have to go back to about 2000 when Covert, uh, when your book, Covert, War Against Rock, came out, and that's the last time we, we talked. Uh, first of all, now, Farrell House is re-releasing this. Is there anything new about uh, this edition that we didn't find in the
1: 2009? Uh, well, I had actually, I have the book offered first at my website, The Constantine Report. Okay, which is probably the most ambitious project I've ever undertaken. It's a, it's an encyclopedia of fascism, uh, with over nine thousand entries to it. You can follow your nose to any any subject. all the, There's a massive index at the bottom of the home page, and you can research to your heart's content. And I would I would expect that it would take a year or two to to go through the entire thing. Uh, so. Uh, the books are good, but I think you'll find more information at the website. But uh, for the take on May Brussels, uh, this book is, actually, I'm surprised by it. It came out very well, and uh, I'm real happy with it.
0: So you were a Brussels sprout, were you?
1: Yeah, I was, uh, actually, I began investigating the ritual abuse uh, scandals of the mid-1980s, and the press has done uh, a pretty good job of, Smearing the victims and lying about what happened in those preschools back in the 80s. But I worked on it for about six months before the propaganda assault began. And uh, I interviewed victims. I talked to a lot of the children, some of whom were hospitalized. I talked to the parents. I collected all the information that I could. I was pretty obsessed with, it, with the whole subject at the time. And then the media came along going the other way, claiming that the kids had been coerced, that uh, you heard all sorts of excuses for what happened. And that's where I began, and I had never heard of May Brussel at that time. And then one day I turned on the radio and, and caught her talking about the same subject from the same point of view as myself. So I contacted some of the parents in, the, in a case up in San Francisco at the Presidio, and uh, they contacted her, Uh, She had them down. She videotaped her interview with them. And uh, although we were working independently, we were doing exactly the same sort of work. So I began to send her information and uh, people to talk to. And she went on the air and and took up some of the subjects that I had gotten her involved in. What I didn't know at the time was that she had the FBI living on one side of her house, and the, the the neighbors across the street were CIA. Uh, she had a long history of, of harassment that she re- rarely even talked about, really, including the murder of her daughter. And I think that's why she was so obsessed with the whole subject herself, because when something like that happens, I know from experience that, that it only drives you harder. And I've been going for 25 years since, and I still consider myself a Brussels sprout. And I still pick up her information and find it shocking and surprising and, and very informative. Uh, in fact, I consider her like the foremost uh, researcher reporter who ever lived. And I think anybody who really delves into her material objectively and shuts out the propaganda that comes to the media will come to the same
0: conclusion. As I mentioned, Alex, she she starts out, you know, humble beginnings, housewife, raising children, doing, you know, that's, uh, I, I don't mean that as a slight, I mean, that's that's important work. But she didn't have any formal training, did she, as an investigator, as a reporter?
1: No, I, I, I really think that she was just sort of your average middle class housewife at the time. And, uh, she became, she had, she had some of the best instincts, you know, in the business. And I think she began to see through the whole cover story, the Kennedy assassination. She knew that Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy. And, um, if you pick up the Warren report and do as she did, and take 35,000 pages of notes. You, you you can see exactly what happened there. And the only reason the public is confused is because there's a profusion of fake books about the Kennedy assassination, and the average person just throws up his hands and doesn't go any farther with it. But she had, I think, I think the Warren Commission really set her on the right path because she she saw through it. She she. Like I said, she did 35,000 pages of handwritten notes. She took down names. And these things really proliferate because once you've got one name that leads you to to research and then you you find five more names, and they lead lead you to five more names, and and pretty soon you have a pretty good grasp of what's going on. Um, So I, I really think that that initial education set her on the right path. And it's pretty well known that that by the time Watergate came along, uh, the same characters were involved. As a matter of fact, she picked up the very first reports on the Watergate break-in and recognized the names of the Cubans involved in the Watergate break-in. And she recognized uh, the names of some of the Cubans involved in the Kennedy assassination. And uh, I I think by that time she understood that Nixon was the whole point of the Kennedy assassination, both Kennedys and and uh the shooting of George Wallace and a lot of uh subconspiracies that went on, including the elimination of witnesses, uh the death of the publisher of the Washington Post and on and on and on. Um you know, so by the time Nixon came along she was probably she was saturated with the information and understood politics Better than anybody in the
0: country. All right, Alex, we'll look, I... take a time out. We'll come back and continue to delve into the remarkable career, the life, the legacy, the untimely death of the late, great assassination researcher May Brussels Alex Constantine, editor of Fascism in America, The Essential, May Brussel, right here, right now on The Conspiracy Show. Stay a while. Where there's smoke... There's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. We are discussing the life, legacy, career of the late Mae Brussel, a a radio personality whose work centered around the JFK assassination and the history of fascism. In fact, she connected the dots uh, between uh, the Nazis and the JFK assassination. Alex Constantine is uh, with us, uh, author, researcher, certainly a Brussels sprout uh, and the editor of Fascism in America, The Essential May Brussel, and uh, Alex's website. Alex, uh, uh, give us a website again where uh, uh, people can read your, uh, uh, your dispatches and, and your research.
1: Sure, that's constantinereport.com. Um, like I say, it has over 9,000 entries to it, and it's as comprehensive uh, an encyclopedia on fascism as I could put together.
0: For, for, for May Brussel, um was there for her sort of an aha moment while she's pouring through the 26 volumes of the Warren Commission where she makes the connection between this vast Nazi network that had been exfiltrated into the United States through Operation Paperclip and afterwards? Uh, was
1: yeah, I, I think, uh, first of all, you have to understand that the, that, that 35,000 pages of handwritten notes was, was cross-referencing and uh... she didn't know who any of these names organizations or corporations that she was that she began with but she began to run them down and uh... she found that for instance that uh, clay shaw who was in the middle of it all had connections to italian fascists through a, a company in italy uh... they had ties to that uh... had ties to dallas to a company called permadex which uh... upon the italian Uh, organization. So she began to run down these names and look into the histories and discovered that they had one thing in in common and that was ties to World War II fascism. And I, I really think this is where she started with some of those strange names that she came along and the European
0: connections. Did she ever, for example... Um, you get to speak with someone like Walter Dornberger, who was brought uh, to the United States. I believe he was sentenced to hang at, at Nuremberg for war, for his war crimes, and then later he's running Bell Helicopter.
1: Well, I think pretty much she, she took it upon herself to try to put the, uh, a, a stop to some of it, uh, simply by making people aware. But at the same time, she knew that she couldn't take any really big steps because they would stop her. So she was in a in a pretty difficult position. She would often write letters and contact uh, um, officials in Washington, trying to make them understand what was going on. She even wrote a letter to Richard Nixon at, at one point, trying to help him out of his dilemma after Watergate. Um, and uh, I I think she did everything that she could, short of you know uh, of of going you know to a major. Television production company or something to make people understand what was going on, uh, and I think she lived in fear. Uh, she was on L.A. for a time, and she had a death threat, and got off the air in L.A. and pretty much confined herself to to Monterey, California, and KAZUFM, which is where I started after she died. Um, so I, I really think she she was in a in a tough position. She. Managed to get Larry Flint to help her out. He started publishing some of her articles. Uh, she didn't necessarily have to go to Hustler, but th- that's all she was left with because the mass media are controlled.
0: Well, th- th- Larry Flint was Larry Flint was going to publish a magazine just for her. What, was she? Was he not? Rebel well, magazine.
1: It's, he gave her a sympathetic ear because he had been shot by a fascist, a neo-Nazi, and left in a wheelchair. And um, he became interested in her work and began to read it and publish it. And then he started up a news magazine, pretty much just for May Brussel, that was uh, similar to Time Magazine. It was a weekly news operation. And he offered a million dollars for anybody who could prove, uh, you know, uh, who was involved in the Kennedy assassination. And at that point, the pressure came down on him, Um he, he went through long legal proceedings, and you remember he, he was interred at a place called Chestnut Lodge, which was probably the paramount, the primary mind control facility in the country, operated by the CIA. And Larry Flint came out of that facility with no memory of Mae Brussel or anything that he had published in that magazine. And to this day, he doesn't know who May Brussel was. Interesting. And, uh, she said one day after he, he was uh, locked up in Chestnut Lodge, that he wouldn't remember anything, and sure enough, that's what happened. They wiped him clean.
0: Amazing. Uh, it is. It, it take really us is. take us back to the heyday of her radio broadcasts, uh, on Alex, and, and what would a typical broadcast have sounded like? Was she was she just sort of a, a welcoming listeners into her world of pouring through the the Warren Commission documents, or what? What did she talk about? What was it like?
1: Well, she understood that she had to be as credible as possible. So what she did was open source intelligence. She subscribed to 50 different newspapers and magazines, and every week she would break them down into categories, any essential information she'd file away in her file cabinet. Um, And uh, she bought up her her house with complete, all the walls are completely covered with bookshelves, even her bathroom. I, I looked in the window one time. And uh, she tried to, I, she worked like I said compulsively, and I, I can understand it's an interesting subject. and uh, it, you, you develop a sense of crisis. You have to understand that since the National Security Security Act of 1947, we've been living in a, a state of perpetual warfare and conspiracy. And I, I hesitate to use that word because I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist. And I don't consider her a theorist. She would give you uh, the information she had compiled, put it all together. She would give you sources, dates, names, times, you know, and so forth, just like any other journalist. But she understood things well beyond, I think, anybody, any writer in the country. And for that reason, most people really didn't understand what she was doing. I think the average American just had no grasp of what was really going on. Yes, we defeated the German military in World War II, but the Nazis were actually a part of the American establishment. I hate to say that, but you had two thousand corporations all throughout the war uh, who continued to collaborate with the Nazi party. Major corporations like Standard Oil, IBM, uh, IT&T, General Motors, Ford, on down the line, with the major corporate bridge to Nazi Germany being Monsanto. The chemical industry, the drug industry, uh, you know, automobiles, the military-industrial complex was all knitted up tightly with with, uh, similar corporations over in Germany. And if you've ever read Catch-22, you're familiar with Milo Minderbinder, who was the personification of the military-industrial complex, operating not only here but in Italy, Japan and in Nazi Germany, uh, and she dug into all this, understood, uh, you know, the, the, the birth of fascism, as Mussolini defined it, corporatism, and then uh, was interested in, in anything related to that topic from the 1920s with the inception of fascism to the present day. And all of that was within her purview. And the show could be on any of those topics, but usually they were topical. And if it was Watergate, she was on top of Watergate and turning out the best information on the topic you could find anywhere.
0: Did she? Uh, at what point did she come to the attention of the New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison, of course, who holds the distinction of uh, the only you know person to, to prosecute someone in the JFK assassination? Uh, Clay Shaw. Well,
1: well, when she was reaching out. Jim Garrison is one of the people that she contacted. She would, I, I, almost as desperation, she would try to get influential, powerful people to help her and to convey this message, and Jim Garrison was one of those people. Now, if you really dig into the Kennedy assassination and throw out all the cover stories and the junk coming out from the John Burst Society and, you, and start following the, 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 the tracks of Lee Harvey Oswald, you'll find that the assassination, actually, the plans for assassination actually began before he's elected president. Um, when he, in the year leading up to the election, uh, there were a number of Nazi groups, including one called the Christian Defense League out in California. They had their sights on Kennedy and were just waiting for the right moment to, to strike him down. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jim Garrison... Uh, using May Brussels information, tried to uh, try one of, the, one of the central participants in the California neo-Nazi faction, and uh, was was unable to do though do that because the state of California refused to turn him over. So you had the whole establishment fighting her and her fighting back. I think effectively uh, any way that she possibly could, and Jim Garrison was just one approach.
0: At what point, uh, you know, we're racing ahead here, but time is tight. And um, sure. y- you know, y- you mentioned that she uh, connected the dots not only with the JFK assassination, but but some of the, the key personnel involved in that also show up during Watergate. And I know that two right. of her uh, devotees uh, were residents of one seventy second Ave uh, or one seventy second in Central Park, and that was uh, uh, the Dakota Building, John and, and, and Yoko. Uh, right. And and I'm wondering, you know, there are there, there are dots to be connected there too. Of course, the doorman that night at the at the Dakota was Jose Perder- Perdomo, who was uh, another uh, uh, Bay of Pigs uh, alumnist. Uh, right. He, the,
1: he came out of Operation 40, which was pretty much a death squad put together by the CIA and commandeered by, by Richard Nixon.
0: First of all, let's back up. How did, how did uh, John and Yoko uh, uh, come to uh, learn about May-Brussel?
1: Well, uh, you go back to Watergate and uh, a publication called The Realists, which was uh, put out by Paul Krasner uh, back in the 1970s uh... and um... he had a, a lengthy bit of research from May Brussel that, that he wanted to publish but he didn't have enough money to do it so he contacted john lennon who gladly turned over five thousand dollars once he, he read through it and they published the article and and actually that's where I, I, I began i picked up that copy of the realist one day in ohio at a newsstand and that uh, that pretty much got me going um, now, towards the end of his life he actually had May Brussels stay with him for a week right and I think that's one reason that they that they killed John Lennon because of the information that he had acquired and could pass on to millions of people
0: well uh, was, she was still on the air at, uh, at the time of his death in December of 1980 what, what do you recall uh, what she she was talking about in the aftermath of, of his his shooting
1: oh sure she she traced the, the path of Mark David Chapman uh, his association with world vision which is if you dig into it pretty much an intelligence front uh, they turn up again well I, I won't go into it there's another story but uh, world vision has quite a reputation as, as a CIA religious front um, and uh, you know his path to Hawaii his his uh, finances his marriage his uh, his uh, he said a le- he actually sent a letter a year before he turned up at the Dakota that was uh, eventually turned up uh, at the at the Dakota about three years later, in which he spoke of a mission. Uh, and then that letter disappeared within the uh, within Yokohana's household and turned up rewritten on her kitchen table a week later. So there were actually infiltrators within John Lennon's household, and I go into that in detail in a book called The Covert War Against Rock. And she had primarily she concentrated on Mark David Chapman. And if you, if you take a look at the trial, you find there are four psychiatrists who, handled, who, uh, who interviewed uh, Mark David Chapman, and uh, they, they all came away with the judgment that he was pretty much crazy, but if you look into the, the bona fides of those four psychiatrists, you find that they're all, they were all on the CIA payroll. So it's facts like this that she, she put together and, and came to the conclusion that he had been murdered by the CIA, which is pretty hard to avoid once you have, you have all the essential facts.
0: Alex Constantine is uh, my guest here on The Conspiracy Show, editor of Fascism in America, the Essential May Brussels and uh, we're heading into a break very shortly. On the other side, we'll be joined uh, by a caller who is another self-described Brussels sprout, no stranger to this program, and he'll have a question or two for my my guest, uh, Alex Constantine, as uh, we delve into the life and legacy of May, Brussels. Uh, And, you know, we we were talking about fascism in America and and the exfiltration of of Nazis like Dornberger and and so forth, and and I think this is key to to understanding that... uh, when the Germans were vanquished on the battlefield in World War II, the German army surrendered, uh, but the Nazis never did. So perhaps that is May Brussel's legacy. She was making it clear to the world that the Nazis won the war. Back with more of my conversation with Alex and other Brussels sprouts when The Conspiracy Show continues. My name is Richard Serrett.
1: providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show
0: with Richard Serrett. And the website is richardserrett.com. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. Uh, we're speaking with Alex Constantine, editor of Fascism in America, The Essential May Brussel, and we're celebrating her, her legacy uh, this evening on the program. And we were mentioning John Lennon earlier. Here's from an old interview she did uh, uh, just a- after Lennon's assassination. Uh, she, she said that one week prior to the assassination of John Lennon in a broadcast, she stated that, quote, the old assassination teams are coming back into power The very people responsible for covering up the murders of President John F. Kennedy, Senator Senator Robert Kennedy, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., for Watergate and Koreagate and and the kidnapping and murder of Howard Hughes and for hundreds of other deaths had only six weeks before they would again be removing or silencing those voices of opposition to their policies. Lenin was coming out once more. His album was cut. He was preparing to be part of the world, a world which is a worse place uh, since the time he had withdrawn with his family. It was a sure bet Lenin would react and become a social activist again. That was the threat. Lenin realized that there was danger coming into back into public view. He took that dangerous chance, and we all lost. Uh, Alex Constantine, um, what do you think May Brussel would be writing about uh, today or, or broadcasting about today? Uh, would it be... Um, uh, you know, Edward Snowden in the NSA? Would it be about uh, ISIS? Uh, what would she be focusing on?
1: Well, I think she would be just continuing the work that she's been doing all this time. Uh, you mentioned Edward Snowden. Uh, actually, the, the CIA operation uh, that was transferred to the NSA uh, to do mass surveillance on leftists in the United States began in 1962, and evolved into a program that uh, was investigated by the Church Committee in 1974, where they learned that the CIA kept a massive computer database in an in a IBM computer uh, system under CIA control at the time that was called Hydra, uh, which is a pretty sinister name. Uh, but uh, Richard Helms and, and other officials at the CIA at that, back in 1972, decided that uh, they would they would change the focus of mass surveillance from activism, anti-war activism, to terrorism because that would give them uh, some popular support. So that became the cover story, and is still the cover story to the present day. If you recall, uh, when the NSA revelations came along. Uh, the NSA defended itself by saying that they were keeping track of terrorists until it emerged that they were actually keeping track of everybody in the United States. Uh, and so that cover story fell away, and the right could no longer use it. And what is it that they want this information for? It's to control the population. So I think she would be right on top of that one, and she'd be covering it every week. Uh, and she'd be very much behind Edward Snowden and offering him support. Uh, I think any um, political murder that comes along, she would investigate uh, thoroughly. And uh, if she determined that these were political assassinations, like I said, she'd be right on top of it and reporting it.
0: All right. Let's uh, say hello to Nelson. Nelson Thal, our media scientist and no stranger to the conspiracy show. Hey, Nelson.
2: How are you doing, Richard? Uh, just a terrific show, and it's certainly uh, May Brussel is a woman who uh, deserves to be honored uh, as much as possible for the work she did that helped all of us.
0: Certainly. Did you have a, a question or a comment for Alex Constantine?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I first got in touch with May in 1972 and, and followed her career. I think one of the great things she did was the lasting legacy is her article uh Nazi connection to the JFK assassination, which uh, which um, Larry Flint, of course, created the Rebel magazine around. But um, I always felt that her um, what what gave her a lot of uh, information, what helped, was her her um, her father, um, who was the most prominent uh, Jewish leader in the United States, and was sometimes called the Rabbi to the Stars. And I always got the feeling, even though she didn't say it to me directly, but that between the lines that he was very much an important part of um, supplying uh, the big picture. And then she went ahead and started to fill in the dots. Do would you, would you say that? Did you get that feeling from her? Yeah,
1: this was uh, Rabbi Edward uh, Magnin. Uh well, I, I don't know if he was a rabbi. but He was very much. A oh part no, of he my, was
2: the he was the chief rabbi of, of uh, Wilshire Boulevard Temple, the oldest Jewish congregation in the L A. In L A. Yeah, very much a rabbi.
1: Yeah, and very much a part of the establishment. Yeah, and I think that uh, any contribution he made was was not deliberate. He, like I said, he was very much a part of the establishment and resisted the the, the work that she was doing. But but yeah, I think she she picked up uh, a lot of information from him.
2: And, uh, Richard, Richard, you asked about what would May be saying today. Yes. And I think that if you want to see what May would be saying today, the the, the, the man who's sort of taken on her mantle uh, very much is a guy by the name of Dave Emery. And um, uh, at spitfirelist.com, and he would be the guy, I believe, to, if you look at his work, it's just he was very close to her, and he's really been the one who's continued the, the same sort of research and investigation that she had done.
1: Well, I think... Uh, it, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't agree with that, actually. I have to disagree. I think that his work was fine and up until the point of May's death because he, he pretty much handed information May's research and, and read it on the air and I think that at that point uh, when May died uh, he wasn't wasn't really uh, able to keep it up as a matter of fact I think he locked, allows a lot of personal issues to get in the way so I would um, on some things he's okay I think on other things he's way off.
0: Alright Nelson appreciate the call a uh, Brussels sprout to be sure new May uh, Brussels and uh, Alex Constantine stay with us More of our conversation on the other side. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. Stay here.
1: Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.
0: Welcome back. Alex Constantine stays with us for a few moments yet. Uh, Just a heads up next week on the program, Dr. John Apsley will uh, talk about the ongoing Ebola outbreak in Africa and uh, let 's see what else we have uh, going on oh the merlin project uh, the The folks behind the Merlin Project will be back on the show as well. Uh, Alex, uh, I mentioned before the break the uh, you know the legacy and the idea that maybe her legacy was waking Americans up in the world up to the fact that the nazis didn 't lose the war. They never surrendered, the German army did, but the the uh, the vice Führer or whatever Hitler's um, you know next in line uh, whoever that was never signed uh, the surrender uh, is that is that a fair uh, a fair assessment?
1: Well, I think that's a, a bit of an over oversimplification. Uh, like I said, the military-industrial complex in the United States was bound up through patent agreements and marketing contracts and so forth with uh, companies in Nazi Germany, and they they pretty much uh, just operated for their own benefit, their own financial gain. The problem with major corporations is they tend to take care of the bottom line and they really don't care how they enhance it. Um, in Germany, for instance, they use slave labor. Uh, in the United States, you find all sorts of uh, excesses going on. Uh, down in Colombia, for instance, we have the U.S. State Department funding death squads down in Colombia. Uh, along with Chiquita Banana and a mining company called Drummond uh, that uh, is involved in all, all sorts of bizarre activities down there. And uh, recently, 6,000 people have been murdered by right-wing death squads in Colombia uh, due to this interaction of government and the corporations. Now, this they tend to cross all international boundaries, and uh, they operate cooperatively, while millions of people are slaughtered in the process uh, so that they can profit. And I think if you really want to explain what happened with World War two a lot of companies got rich and 50 million people died as a result, and that's what it's all about. It's not that Germany won or the United States won, the corporations won. Uh,
0: that's,
1: how, is, that's how it comes down. Well,
0: uh, uh, Joseph Farrell, uh, who's been on the program many times, wrote a book uh, talking about the, what he called the Nazi International. Do you do you subscribe to such a notion that there is this vast network called the Na- the Nazi International?
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly how you have to look at it. It's an international thing. Uh, it's not about neo Nazis and skinheads. It's about it's about corporatism that creates a uh, right wing bulwark against against the left and the advances of communism in Eastern Europe. And that's why fascism was created in the first place, because the privileged and the rich in the United States and throughout Europe were in a deep state of fear by the rise of communism in Russia and uh, recruited a lot of basically thugs to protect their interests, and that those are the Nazis.
0: Did we get a a, sort of an inkling of this, Uh, it wasn't an inkling, I mean, for many people, and I'm sure May Brussels stood up and took notice, when when former President Ronald Reagan visited Bitburg Cemetery and laid a wreath at a monument to the Waffen-SS.
1: Right, that was a grotesque moment in Reagan's history.
0: And that was done at the behest of whom? Fritz Kramer, some suggest, who was uh, exfiltrated into the U.S. and ended up at the Pentagon.
1: That was a, that was a huge mistake, a big public relations disaster, and um, I think it was basically Reagan Reagan's decision. I I wouldn't say that he was put up to it. I think that he was a willing participant in this because his 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 history was bound up with with the Nazis and with fascism. The same was was true of Richard Nixon.
0: Getting back to the, uh, the, the the political assassinations, which are, are part of this, and of course was uh, was a central focus of May Brussels' work, and she talked right. about you know looking for these necessary connecting links that are in every assassination conspiracy. She talked about things like, and this is true: it, whenever you know there, there's a lone gunman, there are always plenty of letters and diaries present nearby. Talk to me about the importance of some of these. Connecting links like letters and diaries and and uh, and patsies.
1: Well, okay, let's let's take the Kennedy assassination as an example. Uh, if you study it, you find out that uh, there are a lot of false leads laid down, and uh, that's because it bears a resemblance to a military operation, and that's because a general inside the Pentagon planned the Kennedy assassination. So. Uh, To this day, if you start to investigate, you'll find people implicating themselves, announcing that they want to kill Kennedy, all over the country. And uh, when a journalist comes along, or independent investigator, he's likely to to get off of one of those wrong paths, and that's what those diaries are about, to to flesh out uh, uh, the cover story, which in this case was Lee Harvey Oswald. But the um, CIA had five different cover stories in case the Lee Harvey Oswald story didn't take. So they, uh, to this day, you'll find books blaming Castro. You'll find books blaming the USSR. And you'll find all sorts of evidence drawn upon uh, to substantiate those claims. And that's uh, that's what it's all about, is laying down false evidence and false trails.
0: And in the, in the case of, of Mark David Chapman, uh, again, uh, letters and diaries.
1: Right. Uh, I, I mentioned one letter in which he implicates himself and mentions a mission that he was sent on, and that letter was altered. Uh, the book's amount to the same thing. If you pick up a, a book that's likely to be written by an author with ties to the John Birch Society, you'll go flying off in the wrong direction. And uh, letters are basically to lay down a trail of evidence, so that they can blame a patsy like Mark David Chapman, Sirhan Sirhan, or Lee Harvey Oswald, or a number of others.
0: The other interesting uh, thing that that uh, has always intrigued me is that there there are, there's never a trial. Uh, there's always uh, a guilty plea, uh, or. The gunman is disposed of, as in the case of of Oswald, but there's never a trial. These things never go to court. We never see, you know, the rules of evidence at play.
1: Well, as I always say, the cover-up proves the crime. And in rare instances where you do find a trial, all you have to do is investigate the, you know, the testimony, the expert witnesses brought in, the psychiatrists and so forth and it becomes easier to put together and I think that's what they're afraid of. Uh, By the way, I have to amend the title of the book is The Essential Made Russell. Um, Originally the title was Fascism in America, but Farrell House gave it
0: another title. Ah, apologies. Okay, so the, the, the re-release is now uh, The Essential May Brussel. The original title right. is Fascism in America. And
1: the subtitle is Investigations of Fascism in America.
0: Ah, thank you for that correction. Um, your your book uh, in 2000, The Covert War Against Rock, uh, to what extent was that inspired by, uh, uh, influenced by the work of May Brussel? Well,
1: actually, she put together a, a five-page uh, article uh, compilation of research in which he laid out some of the facts behind the deaths of some prominent left-wing musicians, and I thought that was really interesting. For the, so for the ten next year I, years, I collected uh, information myself, and eventually ended up writing the book. And it really didn't even stop there, because I spent the, the last year gathering more information and filling out the book. And 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 what I discovered is that the book really wasn't even complete. Now I have uh, a much better understanding of those assassinations, including uh, John Lennon, Jimi Hendrix, Tupac Shakur, uh, 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 and a number of others, up up to the death of Michael Hutchins. And uh, the story that that I put together there is so complete that I don't really think anybody can, can even argue with me on any of these
0: deaths. No, she uh, may also, uh, you know, she talked about, in the case of, of drug overdoses, she talked about right. the possibility that specific poisons were added to drugs, enough to be fatal, to make it appear this, that they died.
1: this is a subject that the FBI studied thoroughly for about 12 or 14 years, uh, how to administer overdoses and make it look like an accident.
0: Was that the Houston plan?
1: Uh, no, the Houston plan was something else. That was the Marshall Law Plan. In the event that uh, they were to round up uh, anti-war activists in the Vietnam War period, a guy from uh, uh, Young Americans for Freedom that was uh, founded in nineteen sixty, two months before Kennedy was elected and was instrumental in the Kennedy assassination, Tom Charles Houston and others in the Nixon administration put the secret plan together for interring activists in the United States pretty much in concentration camps as they did the Japanese. During World
0: War II, uh, we just got a few minutes left, uh, Alex. The the death uh, of Mae Brussel in 1988, I believe it was a uh, fast acting a fast acting cancer, I think it was. Do you think she was murdered?
1: Well, the doctor said it was the fastest acting cancer he had ever seen, and I think the odds that she was murdered are pretty much
0: 50-50. As I
1: mentioned, she had the seat of, uh, two operatives from the CIA living across the street from her. And uh, she had a visit from one of the Son of Sam killers shortly before her death. And uh, <clears throat> a number of other things went on that lead me to suspect that, yes, there's a strong possibility of murder. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, cancer happens, she was elderly. It's possible that she contracted a fast-acting cancer, but I suspect that she was murdered. And I think it had something to do with those ritual abuse cases that I discussed in the beginning.
0: And her daughter, her daughter was murdered. I mean, that's that's not disputed, correct?
1: Yeah, I think that's why she was so driven to this work because it, she she was so stricken by the death of her daughter. And I, I, as I said, I was harassed for eight years, and it didn't deter me in any way. In fact, to the pres- to, you know, currently I'm as obsessed as ever. I've been doing this for 25 years, and that had a lot to do with it.
0: It just—it it makes you angry to the point where you just don't care anymore, I guess. Is that it? About personal safety, or how, how does that work?
1: That's, I had uh, people close to me were attacked, physically assaulted. One had a 50-50 chance of living, and she was told before she went unconscious that she, that she should tell me to keep my mouth shut. And so I've been doing the opposite ever since.
0: You're not concerned about your personal safety anymore. Not at all. Did did May uh, in any way uh, sort of predict her demise? Uh, did, I mean, did she talk about it on the air that something is going to happen to me?
1: Well, she always thought it was possible, and she took death threats seriously. I, I don't, you know, I, nothing. I, I don't take that seriously at all. I mean, it's it's our obligation to stand up to this sort of thing. And I think that she she felt the same way, and I don't think that she she would give up unless you know there was uh, extremely strong pressure applied. And she never did give up; she fought to the till the day that she died.
0: And uh, so will you, I suspect.
1: Oh yeah, I'll uh, go beyond that.
0: <laughs> Alex, give us your website again.
1: Uh, that's the And uh, any aspect of anything I've discussed that interests you, you can follow up on through that website. Just refer to the index at the bottom of the homepage, and you'll be on your way.
0: And what are you working on now, next?
1: Uh, Right now, I'm working on two books that will be coming out next year. Uh, One is a revised and expanded edition of The Covert War Against Rock. Another one is called Jackals, and that's about CIA operations primarily around the world, but also various assassinations, use of propaganda... Um, the anthrax attacks after uh, 9-11 to explain it and there are uh, all sorts of things in the book that people would find interesting
0: well Alex uh, let's not leave it 14 years uh, this time let's have you back on soon I can't wait to see the revised uh, version of uh, The Covert War Against Rock it truly is one of the the, the most important books about uh, the music industry but it's obviously about so much more than that And uh, I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: Alex Constantine. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, the website richardserrett.com. And don't forget, followthetruth.tv. Scroll down, find the question for tonight's radio contest. Call Tim Spreen in studio right now with the answer to that question, 416-360-0740. Toll free one 866 740 4740 and you'll win a pair of ducats and see me live with friends Oshawa, November 16th, follow the truth